This is the Power of Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, stick around. This is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote from SeriousDecisions.com. Those of you not familiar with the company, it's S-I-R-I-U-S, and they are serious. Here's the quote. Our research on the economics of alignment, keyword for our show today, shows that when an organization's sales, marketing, and product functions are aligned, that organization achieves 19% faster revenue growth and 15% higher profitability. Do the math. That's a big deal. Economic pressures to align are intense in manifesting a new operational mindset, they say, called revenue operations. So there's the buzz. Let me tell you a little bit more. Customer experience and buyer behavior in B2B markets have changed dramatically through the digital revolution. That's where we are today. Marketing is no longer a one-way communication. Now, every task, hopefully, is supposed to be a sales and marketing collaboration where teams need to rely on each other to understand the customer experience. It is about CX, the customer experience. Get over it. You got to grab that concept from leveraging the CX platforms and technology-based insights to planning and operations. Our panel of experts, and I'll tell you who they are in a moment, will share their experiences in how to bring these functions together. Our topic today, the power of partnerships, sales and marketing alignment. Joining me today, three very, very interesting and savvy people. I'm setting them up for a lot of good content here, panelists. Sandra Zarati of the CMO Council and other organizations. She'll introduce herself in a second. We have Sebastian Fick of E2Y. He's raising it. I'm on Zoom. I can see them. It's wonderful. And Shireen Fox at SAP. Thank you all for joining me. I know some of you are in Europe. Some of you are different parts of the U.S. So thank you for, I think, getting up early or staying up late for us. Let's go around the table. Sandra Zorati, welcome. Please tell everybody a little bit about who you are. There might not be a lot of people in the world who don't know you already, Sandra. I have that feeling. And also tell them what your passion is for our topic. Welcome, Sandra. Bonnie, thank you so much. And hello, listeners. I'm Sandra Zorati. I am part of the CMO Council and also the founder and chief marketing officer of the Marketer Network. So I'm a corporate marketer. I'm an entrepreneur. I speak and I'm an author. And related to this topic, my book, Precision Marketing, Maximizing Revenue Through Relevance, provides data-driven insights that really help to forge the yawning sales and marketing divide. So with that, I'm really great at creative problem solving. That's what I love to do and distilling challenges to really the vital essentials. And I, I leveraged my background. I'm actually a chemical engineer who went into marketing. And in hindsight, again, that has really helped me embrace data-driven marketing and help solve complex challenges. So that, to me, is really the foundation for a lot of my passion around this topic. And what I think is so important is our current economic climate, customer retention and revenue strategies, are really the way forward for companies to survive, revive, and thrive. And for that, sales and marketing alignment 
is a mission critical business capability. Thank you, Sandra. I'm intrigued. You said the yawning. I heard that word. No, we're not. We're not going to make anybody yawn on this show. I'm looking at, at the smiles and the the brain power on this panel. Uh, the yawning divide, marketing and sales. Is it still pervasive? Just very briefly, Sandra. Is it still pervasive that divide? Are they are they fighting? Are they battling? Are they challenging each other? Are they saying no? Marketing is supreme. No sales. And I've heard the term marketing. I don't know if we're going to get to that today, but just briefly, Sandra, what's your take on? How divided are they? Very divided. And, you know, the CMO Council regularly talks to C-level executives, and there are single digits in terms of companies who believe that they have effectively solved this challenge. And the reason I use the word yawning, Bonnie, is because with the customer journey changing almost consistently and dynamically, going more and more digital, it becomes more and more difficult to achieve a sales and marketing alignment. So you've got a number of factors here, but absolutely something we have to solve. And it's really not gotten better over the last few years. Thank you very much. Very interesting overview. Let's go to Sebastian Fix. Sebastian, welcome. Nice to have you. Please introduce yourself. There might be 1.5 people in the world who haven't heard of you. So please talk to that 1.5. Go ahead, Sebastian. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much, Bunny. So hello, everyone. My name is uh, Sebastian Fick, and I've spent the last uh, 15 years having challenging conversations with uh, customers in all the different continents around the world. Um, I spend a lot of my career inside of uh, SAP, where I, as a salesperson, was experiencing um, some interesting conflicts between uh, sales and marketing uh, firsthand. At the same time, uh, I have been helping a lot of customers with the challenges in a digital world. Uh, I believe there's a lot of power in a digital world, but I also believe that changing from a an old school world where we, we used to just ship products from A to B and there would be a, a person to person conversation and a handshake and then everything was fine. That has all changed. Things are moving so much faster now. And I think it's really, really key that organizations, they, they understand how to align this better and how they, they pick up the pace to, um, to adapt to all these changes uh, much, 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 much faster than, than they did just five or 10 years ago. Um, Finally, uh, what I do in my day-to-day -day, uh, kind of job is I, I help a lot of uh, C-level executives with how they can optimize their internal organizations. That's what we do at E2I. We help companies with the new revenue streams and how to optimize existing ones in order to go and, uh, and embrace the powers of the, the digital world. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you, Sebastian. I want you to translate the name of your company. It's lowercase e the numeral two, lowercase y. Would you please unpack that for me? What does it mean? Absolutely. Um, just like the world has changed uh, when we were founded seven years uh, ago, e-commerce were a new thing or was a new thing, uh, like relatively speaking. Um, that has obviously changed a lot. So E2Y is e-commerce to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes, the world has changed and it's changing while we're speaking today. And by the way, this is August, what, August 6th? I have to look up at the top of my computer. Who can remember the day, the month? We know it's 2020. Thank you very much. Let's move around the table. Shireen Fox is with us. Shireen, please introduce yourself. I'm sure there's 0.75 people 
who don't know who you are. I think my <laughs> panel is very well known. So Shireen, speak to them. Please tell us what you do. I know you're at SAP. And what's your passion? What's your overview on this topic? Go ahead, Shireen, and welcome. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks a lot. And hi, listeners. Thanks a lot for having me today. My name is Shireen Fuchs, and I'm a solution sales executive at SAP. I focus on large enterprise accounts in the retail industry in the German market. And I enable those accounts to leverage enterprise class technology solutions to address their challenges and become leaders in their markets. So this is what I normally do all day long. And as a sales rep, I always have to rely on a lot of different teams. So I have my presets colleagues, I have my marketing colleagues, and it's really important um, to be successful and also to make my customers successful and happy to be aligned with all those teams. So that's why I'm really excited today to share some insights and information from my side or my opinion on that topic today. Thank you, Shireen. Very interesting. Uh, do you agree with Sandra that the divide is yawning? It's big. Is it growing? Are they talking to each other? What, what's your, your point of view on that? from the high level. No, I totally agree. I think there's still, um, uh, the, the talking is not going that well. So there needs to be more alignment. There needs to be, there's still a lot of room for improvement. And I think we can uh, have a lot of discussions on that topic in the next couple of minutes. Thank you very much. Welcome to our panel. Wonderful to meet all of you and introduce you to the audience. And now it's the time of the show where I've asked each panelist to send me a quote from a book, a movie, a song, or a proverb. That's a hint about what Sandra did. And they're going to explain in their own words what in the world the quote has to do with our topic today, which is sales and marketing alignment. Sandra Zorati has sent us a quote from a Chinese proverb. If there's anybody in the world who doesn't know what that is, Chinese proverbs are developed from social dialects, saying and expressions and historical stories in Chinese. Some are from a written source, other are among families, street vendors, and I'm quoting Wikipedia, kids, other commoners, okay, all walks of life. And we're talking about Chinese culture, not British commoners. I'm not going to go there. Here's the quote, four words. Apparently, this is very popular, Sandra, first time I've heard this. Talk doesn't cook rice. You're making me hungry. Sandra, how did you pick this one? <laughs> well, I love this quote, Bonnie, because it so cleverly illustrates that intent does not equal action. And we need action today to produce results. And uh, the underscore I want to make here is our current economic climate again. Look at what we're doing in our race for a vaccine, for example. It has magnified our sense of urgency to act across industries and around the world. And in businesses, 60 to 90% of the customer journey is happening anonymously online. So our digitally connected and empowered customers are really in control. And guess what? Their behavior is less predictable than ever. So that makes sales and marketing alignment really tough and vital. So we've really got to adopt dynamic, iterative, in-the-moment approaches, which serves this digital customer journey. And they really are demanding this agility. So you can't plan yourself into obsolescence. You really need to act. And um, to me, this is about finding a perfect enough starting point, iterating and optimizing from there. Or in the words of Seth Godin, just ship. <laughs> 
I think Walt Disney had a similar quote, something about uh, uh, if you want to do something, stop talking and start doing something like that. Get going. Yes. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Sandra. I, I love that. And I think I'm going to have rice for lunch after this. <laughs> I, this inspired me. Uh, I have it mixed with quinoa in a package and it's wonderful. Let's go on to Sebastian. Sebastian Fick has sent us a quote from W.C. Field. Sebastian, I'm guessing there are people in our listening audience who have never, ever heard of W.C. Fields from a different era and a different time. Shireen is probably looking at me and saying, who is W.C. Fields? Well, I'm about to tell you. W.C. Fields, full name, William Claude Dukenfield. I didn't know that. 1880 to 1946, better known as W for William C. for Claude Dukenfield, an American comedian, actor, juggler, and writer. His comic persona was a misanthropic and hard-drinking egotist who remained, however, a sympathetic character despite his supposed contempt for children and dogs. I don't like children and dogs. His recognizable trade, I can't even remember his, his voice, was his raspy drawl and his grand eloquent vocabulary. Here is the quote Sebastian has picked from, I'm sure there are thousands of quotes from W.C. Fields. A rich man is nothing but a poor man with money. Wow, Sebastian. What does this have to do with sales and marketing? I can't wait for this. Go ahead. I think it has a lot to do with sales and marketing because I think when you look at, at, at our world and when you look at society today and how everything is, is, is happening, essentially, we, we have two, two parts of the truth. We have the part that is what you see is what you get. So how we portray ourselves on social media, how we are positioning ourselves with these lovely plates. We sit in front of uh, uh, another person's uh, car on our holiday pictures. We make sure to add all these different filters and all of that. But when you boil down a little bit and when you look look under uh, under the covers and under the facade or under the mask, I should call it these days, I mean, I have my own mask here in front of me right now because we are, we are being safe these days. But if you look under the mask that we put on for social media, actually, we are borderline the same, all of us. And, and that's why I really like the duality and, 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 and actually the depth of, uh, of this quote that says there's one thing is, is what, the, what shows on the surface, but another thing is what's, uh, what's below the surface and how we actually, at the end of the day, we, we are more or less all, our, all the same. Thank you very much. Very, very eloquent, I will say. Sebastian, how did you find the quote from W.C. Fields? Are you a movie fan from the early, early days? I mean, let's be honest and say, I, I don't really know WC Fields very well outside of a lot of really, really cool quotes. Um, I think uh, he's, as you mentioned, he was a, a writer and a very heavy drinker. Um, and he has some, uh, some quotes that, uh, that, that someone like myself really, really liked to, uh, to bring to the table. I chose to go in that direction. And then I had to find one that I felt was a little bit more appropriate for a uh, uh, representing me, so you can argue that me choosing this quote is a part of me putting on a little bit of a mask myself. <laughs> Thank you. That was lovely. That was really very nice. And Shireen has sent us a quote from Michael Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, born in 1963, very much alive and well, known by his initials, MJ. I think Michael Jackson used those once in a while, too. Is an American former professional basketball player and the principal owner of the Charlotte Hornets of the NBA National Basketball Association, played 15 seasons in the NBA, won six championships with the Chicago Bulls, and his biography on the NBA website, get this everyone, talk about your, your reputation preceding you, says, by acclamation, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. So they just came right out and said it, okay? <laughs> and here is the quote Shereen has selected. 
talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. Oh, I like that. It's so motivational. Shireen, tell us how you found this one. Um, to be honest, this is a quote my coach always told us. So I used to play uh, soccer for quite a long time, and our coach always told us that in the end, one single person can make it happen that we win the game, but in the end, um, she will not manage for the whole team that we will win the whole championship. So it was always about partnership, about teamwork, and how to rely on everyone. So um, this was really something that my coach always told me, and I was... Um, I mean, this is a quote you can use for so many different situations of lives. And if I look at my current job profile, I'm a sales rep. I have a quota to achieve. So in the end, I can say I am able to uh, close a deal just by myself, but I will not be able to achieve a full quarter for the year without all the different teams. So I need to rely on pre-sales. I need to have my marketing teams. It is all about teamwork and relationship internally as well as externally. So it's really about partnership. So I think um, this is a quote that really fits a lot of different situations pretty good. And I think it was also a good fit for today. Thank you. Very, very interesting. So your coach used that, and it is perfect for today because the title of this series is The Power of Partnerships, and team is another way of saying that. And we're talking about sales and marketing team alignment, not just two people in opposite ends. Okay, you'll have to be the representative for all of sales. You'll be for all of marketing, and you'll talk to each other. Everybody's sitting there saying, uh-uh, I don't think so. <laughs> so it needs to be a team effort. Thank you. Shireen is so gracious. She laughs at my jokes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Now, welcome. now it's the part of the show where we are getting to the discussion statements. Now we're really going to get serious, but we already have had a really good overview of, of what my panelists think about this topic. So let's go to Sandra Zarati at the CMO Council and founder of the Marketer Network. And she's also the CMO there. And Sandra told me in her statements before the show, and this is a good one. We're going to number one, Sandra. I'll have Sandra explain it for about two minutes, and then we'll invite Sebastian and Shireen to add their comments and ladies and gentlemen feel free to agree or disagree this is a conversation so sandra said sales and marketing alignment is all about the customer your customers want to interact with your brand seamlessly consistently and without the pain of your internal gaps or complexities Ooh, sandra tell us more good statement to start go ahead Thanks so much. I really believe that there's a, this is essential, but there's a lot of evidence that it's not happening. And sales and marketing alignment is foundational to everything that you do for your customer. The CMO Council found that as much as 80% of business leads are languishing, lost, or ineffectively handled. That should make all of our eyes pop open because the irony is that acquiring those leads really requires significant investments. So lost leads is a costly missed opportunity. As one more data point from Marketo, they say that a total of 50% of sales time is wasted on unproductive prospecting and that sales reps ignore 50% of marketing leads. Ouch. So I believe what we're at is really nurturing the customer journey has to happen through the integration of marketing and sales. This is, yes, an undermanaged discipline, but companies need to quantify 
the investment they're making, a significant percentage of the revenues, which goes to activities around lead acquisition, but they don't then follow through and optimize those investments with processes for qualifying, certifying, validating new business opportunities. And by their own admission, companies surveyed by the CMO Council say they are wasting time, money, and valuable business leads and leaving big money on the table every quarter. This is sort of that nine alarm fire, if you will, Bonnie. And to me, um, one little quick tip on this point is I think a consideration, something I did in the past at IBM, was I hired a star salesperson to be on my marketing team. Mm. And that helped me gain immediately cred immediate credibility with sales and also incorporate that frontline voice of the customer as the litmus test for everything that we did. So that is one very simple example without going into a lot of detail of starting to bridge the sales and marketing divide. Thank you, Sandra. Excellent points. And I hope everybody heard that tip. I was shocked when you said that 50% of leads from marketing are ignored by sales, leaving money on the table, leaving brand equity on the table, leaving uh, revenue on the table, leaving everything on the table. No, no, no. Sebastian Fick, join us. Agree or disagree? I think I know which way you're going to go on that. With Sandra, you're up. Go ahead, Sebastian. Oh, I'm going to do both. Can I do that? I can yes. because I set, I set my own rules. Um, oh, yeah. so, so obviously, um, I think the first part of the statement uh, talking about how marketing and sales should be closer aligned in order to give customers a seamless experience. I think that's, I mean, that's a given. Everyone can agree on that. Uh, I would be very surprised if someone wouldn't agree on that. Um, I think it's just a little bit too easy to say, and I think it's a little bit too easy to just um, say, you know what, half the leads are, are not being used or not being leveraged by sales. And actually half the, the, the marketing efforts uh, turn out uh, to be wasted. And then the counter question, which is the obvious one, is why don't we just then cut marketing budgets by half and, uh, and hire some more demand generation people? Not going there because that, that would be uh, unproductive. I think what is really, really key to understand is what is actually the overarching goal of an organization? And if we, if we look away from, uh, from, from how things are developing with, with every company having a proper CSR profile and having, uh, I mean, take SAP as an example, their corporate slogan is uh, to help the world run better and improve people's lives, unless it changed since uh, I worked there. Um, actually, most companies are about profits. So as a sales and a marketing organization, we obviously work together towards making that happen. And I think there are just so many examples where a marketing organization will come up and say, hey, we brought you 50 leads. Then the sales organization, they look at the 50 leads and they go like, what is this stuff? I mean, who is Mickey Mouse at gmail.com and, and, and et cetera. And I think if, if the marketing and the sales um, organizations would work closer together towards the end goal instead of having their own little silos in between um, the starting point and the end point for a lot of those, I think it would be better. But um, that, that's the starting point, and then we can absolutely go into further detail. Thank you very much. Very interesting. We like a little controversy, Sebastian. That's a good point. Shireen is nodding. And I remember I'm on Zoom. I can see everybody. Shireen, you can dive in on both sides, the agree, the disagree, or anything else you want. Go ahead, Shireen. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in general, I agree with both sides somehow. I mean, I see the sales perspective, definitely. I also see the marketing side on the one side. Um, I mean, I think all of us agree that customer centricity is the most important topic and that should be the focus of marketing and sales alignment. And in the end, we need to make sure that our customers are um, contacted correctly. So in the end, our customers do not want to buy a lot of different stuff. And um, every single year, the, the sales rep is coming back and saying, hey, do you need something else? What about this solution? What about this? Let's, let's make a big deal. In the end, it is really about solving a current challenge the customer has. And this is something that should be the focus of the sales and marketing alignment. What are the current challenges of our customers and how can we help them to overcome those challenges and um, solve their issues, become market leaders, whatever their goal is. So we really need to focus on that. And I think, uh, yeah, somehow there's still some misalignment between sales and marketing. I totally see that a lot of leads get lost. I can agree with that. But um, I also see that a lot of really good content by marketing is created, um, but it's also just wasted because salespeople are not aware of that. So this is also another point, I think. Ah, not aware of it. Interesting. Sounds like the old four-letter word silo, right? I do my thing, you do your thing, maybe we'll come together. Did I hear it through the grapevine? Who's keeping a secret? I heard that sales is doing this. No, I heard Mark. Wow, interesting. Sounds like we need a bigger virtual roundtable for everybody to get together. I, I have to tell you, I don't know if any of you remember this, but there was a movie called The Parent Trap with an actress named Haley Mills many, many years ago. And she played twins who were trying to get their divorced parents back together again. And the lead, the song, the theme song was Let's Get Together. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can have a real good time. And <laughs> that's what we need to talk about. Anyway, I'm sorry. I I try never to sing on the radio. You'll have to forgive me. Sandra, thank you for a very good opening statement. We like that for around the table. Sebastian, I'm looking at your statement number two. This is interesting. I think this takes us a little deeper into the topic. You said your customers don't care about challenges in your IT systems. They merely want, everybody listen up, intelligent, personalized, reliable experiences that will help them act faster. I'd like you to focus on personalized and reliable and hopefully intelligent comes along with both of those. So Sebastian, talk to me, what's this all about? And then we'll go around the table. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a digital world, which I would argue we are, we are definitely in today. There are so many options for, for companies to be able to structure data in order to, um, to leverage that data and then in a more intelligent way, um, speak to the customers. So let me give you a really, really good example of a terrible customer experience. So I drink coffee. Most people do. And uh, here in Spain, I had to create a new uh, account for Nespresso because Nespresso in the UK, where I used to live, and Nespresso in Spain, where I live now, are not uh, the same company. So two different teams, two different silos. I, as a customer, lost all my points, all my benefits, all my everything from the UK to Spain. That's zero number one. Error number two, I then create a, an account in Spain. I have to sign up. I cannot use my Gmail account. So actually, I have to now use a second email account, which ended up being my work email. Uh, that's strike number two. 
Then with the new uh, email account, I uh, bought some uh, capsules and because it was my first uh, purchase as a customer, uh, I got uh, a discount. But I was still kept getting marketing emails saying, hey, if you buy 150 capsules, we'll give you 20 euros off. And then I went, okay, great. I need some capsules. I'm running out of coffee now. So I went in, tried to buy these capsules and tried to get the 20 euros off. Order got accepted, everything great. And then it was canceled. No one explained me why. No one said anything. And I end up chatting to uh, the Nespresso customer service. And I'm like, hey, guys, what's up? Why don't you want me uh, to, to put this order down? They're like, oh, it's because you used a welcome code uh, that is only applicable to customers once. And I mean, as much as I understand why they cannot just keep giving me 20 euros in discount, what they did there was an unintelligent, unpersonalized, unreliable experience that even though it helped me to in theory act a little bit faster, it just gave me a through and through terrible experience, which means that actually I ran out of cap coffee capsules now and I found out that I can buy some in the supermarket. So that's a really good example of what not to do. So essentially you just need to do um, the opposite, which for example could be to combine where is your customer based with weather data and then find out that that customer is actually somewhere because you, you get uh, allowed to know their geolocation. So a really good example is there's a, a snowboard company called Blue Tomato. And what they do is they focus their marketing based on where it's snowing because magically the propensity of people buying snowboards is higher when they're in a place where it snows. Would you believe it? I would believe it. Absolutely fascinating. And I'm going to call on Shireen next. But Shireen, this brings in your statement number four, which I was going to go to next. So let me just read that in the, as a preface, because I know you're going to comment next on what Sebastian said. Shireen, exactly what you're talking about, Sebastian. She said the complexity of alignment has grown and will continue to grow as the channels we use to reach and engage customers continue to diversify. So Shireen, forgive me for bringing in your statement number four in the middle of Sebastian's, but I think it's so perfectly aligned. So why don't you take it from there, Shireen, and then we'll go around to Sandra. Go ahead, Shireen. Yeah, so I can uh, totally agree with uh, Sebastian. He was uh, telling a B2C uh, story and I see it also in the B2B market or yeah, in, in my area, if the customer wants something, he doesn't care about our internal processes. So if he wants to buy something, he wants to have the contract by the end of tomorrow or today. And he doesn't care if, if there's a long process internally to get approvals, whatever. He wants the contract because it's customer centricity. He wants to be the middle of everything and he wants to have the contract by the end of today. So I totally agree with Sebastian on this point. And I also think that the complexity of alignment has grown because we have so many different teams internally. We have so many different board areas, a lot of different people. You ha always have to talk to, to get approvals, to get things going on, getting started. So this is definitely, I think, where I, a point where I think that alignment, the complexity of alignment has grown. And then also, if you look at marketing, how many channels do we currently have to um, contact our customers there is so i mean it has grown in the last couple of years so tremendously so there are so many different ways to contact a customer and it's really hard to still see like how did we contact the customer we need to have a dashboard where it says like marketing did this via this channel marketing did this via this channel then the sales people did this 
via direct contact, whatever. I think there's, there's um, yeah, the overview is missing. We're not really having an overview of what exactly is going on, and that also makes the alignment hard in the end. Very, very interesting topic. Sandra Zarati, please join us. Um, case studies, statistics. I know you're packed with statistics today about the diversity of channels. And how do you find that place where the, the customer wants to be contacted? Don't we always say the value of data is getting it the right data in the right format to the right person at the right time and making it actionable? And isn't that really what we're talking about? Sandra, please join us. It sure is, you know, and that's where predictive data really needs to come in. I think we're talking about a few things. Number one, the unified view of the customer that is channel agnostic and also real time. And that's a tough thing to accomplish, but a thing that businesses must accomplish today. I think we also heard a little bit about localization. And this brings in yet another complexity of partners. There's many businesses that their sales channel does not only include direct sales reps, but also partners and enabling them with the right data and the right tools to actually impact revenue and move the needle. So I think those two factors are um, extremely important here. And then lastly, my example would be about how B2B companies are helping to solve this personalized, reliable, intelligent concept that you mentioned, Sebastian. And to me, it's all about this movement from what I call precision marketing, data-driven marketing, to more of an ABM focus, account-based marketing, where we're getting more and more precise, more and more targeted. We understand all the critical things we need to about the customer, and we're able to segment them into what they need in terms of a uh, from a content perspective, um, from education perspective, and a nurture perspective. And to me, that's smarter marketing because then we're aligning our resources according to what the customer needs and wants in a predictive in a predictive manner. Thank you, Sandra. Sebastian, great around the table. Really, really good topic. Thank you very much. I'm enjoying this. I have to tell you all a little, little story. I had to recently, I got a new, I use an iMac 27 for my work and connect it to another 27 inch screen because there's so much going on here behind the scenes to run a radio show. And I had to do a clean install, meaning I wasn't copying anything over from a backup drive. I wasn't loading anything from the cloud. Everything was a clean install. So I came to a software package, very well known, starts with a Q. I'm not going to tell you, but I use it for layout and, and documents for years. And I recently bought it again on a, uh, not a subscription model, but a much cheaper than it used to be. It used to be a lot of money. And when I did the clean install, I tried to activate it and it said we need a new activation code. So on the, the old Mac, I went into their website and it said live chat. And I took a chance and I clicked live chat and I told this and I said, are you a real person or a, or a chat bot? And the person said, I'm a real person because the name was, I couldn't tell if it was a real name or a manufactured name. And I said, I am about to install and I need an activation code. This person looked up my customer file, found my information. All I had to do was give her my email address. And within seconds, she said, go to this site, use this link, and here's your activation code, put it in, and bingo, the program was installed. 
I have never had that. So that was right. Some kind of alignment. She could have been from the sales team and said, Hey, we want you to buy a new one. Sorry. It's only license is only good on one machine. I was waiting for that because it happens. And she just helped me. It was so well done talking about different channels and where is the data and how do you know who the customer is? I was shocked. I was pleasantly shocked and amazed that I didn't have to fight with them and get on the phone and call, hey, I already paid 500 bucks for this and what are you doing to me? No fight. It was, I, I was thrilled. So that kind of alignment and Sebastian, I had the better of the experiences that you, you explained before. So thank you for that. Let's go around the table to Shireen. I found something that is new in your discussion, po- in your discussion points here, Shireen Fox. And I think I like this one. Statement number three, you say sales and marketing alignment starts with giving both teams common goals. While the two teams' jobs will always be different, they need to have shared high-level goals that lead to pipeline and revenue targets. Okay, so Shireen, break this down for us. Who gives them those goals? Is it the CMO? Is it the CEO? Who is in charge of those goals? Or is it everybody sitting around the campfire and let's list our goals? Go go ahead. (laughs) I don't have a current roadmap for that. But um, in the end, I think this is a really um, good statement, which um, brings up again why there's still some misalignment between those teams, two teams. In your beginning, uh, you already mentioned the, the term marketing. Yes. Which is sales and marketing as one. And I think to really drive the, this marketing approach to align those two people, to have those two teams, to have um, a collaboration between those two teams, which work together to receive or to, 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 to come to one common goal. And it's really incremental to have um, common goals, specific KPIs. So I think um, for sure we still need to look like we have different job descriptions, different things to do. But I think um, the alignment would be even better if marketing also receives KPIs such as revenue or pipeline um, goals. This will help a lot because, I don't know, probably this is a really bad assumption of a lot of sales reps is that – a lot of marketing people work from nine to five and then they're off. You don't reach them and that's it. And as a salespeople, as a sales rep, you always rely on the customer's revenue to get your salary. So you're normally always up if the customer calls, you're there, you answer and that's it. And then for example, if the customer really needs some marketing brochures, reference customers, whatever, some marketing information, it is hard for me to receive those because I don't reach Um, the other people. So in the end, maybe a common goal, a common KPI will help improve this whole topic of the, uh, yeah, of the alignment of marketing and sales. Thank you very much. Interesting perspective. Let's go around the table. Sandra, you're sitting on the virtual round table next to Shireen. Lucky you. So why don't you chime in here, Sandra? What do you think? I agree with Shireen that revenue should be a shared goal between marketing and sales because that ultimately is what fuels the business and also fuels the customer experience, which we were just talking about. And I said previously that customer experience is the competitive superpower. So to me, this needs to be set at the CEO level in terms of what marketing and sales needs to accomplish together. And those metrics to me will really then reflect the language of the business and what helps the business run. 
Thank you, Sebastian. Love to get your thoughts about common goals. Where do you sit on that? Are you on the fence or you agree or where should they come from? Sebastian? Unfortunately, I have to agree. Um, <laughs> it, it makes it way more boring, but I have to. Um, I absolutely believe that, um, that this is uh, something that should come from the sea level. Uh, I absolutely believe that uh, most organizations should, should put the customer first and find a way to do, it, to do it like that. When we are out speaking to organizations, one thing that we, we hear again and again and again is we are doing it this way or we have always done it that way. And I mean, they say about we have always done it that way, that these are the most expensive words in business. And that's because essentially by doing things as they worked 20 years ago or 10 years ago, even five years ago, it's just not how things should be working today. And actually, if we look at the customer focus, what should the customer focus be initially? Well, the initial customer focus should be on getting a dialogue up and running with the customer. If we then look at how should that uh, evolve, essentially what should happen is we should find a way where we can go in and help the customer to achieve more. Because if the customer is achieving more, the propensity of the customer wanting, or the customers wanting to spend more money with us would go up. So if we help them reach their goals, odds that they will help us reach our goals will be higher. And that actually puts us to the third one, which is what do we do after a customer has bought something? We need to absolutely make sure that this customer is successful in how they do things. And, and one really, really good example is that I heard about a, a software company. And I mean, it could have been whatever company, but their focus uh, was to make sure that the customers bought some stuff and then they went live. So how did they reflect that in their behavior and the way that they did things? Well, the salespeople would get half their commission upon the sale and the other half of the commission upon go live, where the customer had to say, yeah, we're live, we're now happy. And actually, once the customer is live and happy, we are back to, to the, the start of the, the, the circle, where essentially we have to have marketing coming back in together with the sales team, make sure we get the references so we can go out to the world and tell these really, really good stories around how we have done things. And I mean, this means it's the whole organization working together to serve the customer in this common goal. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that self-fulfilling prophecy has absolutely nothing to do with we have always done it that way. So never ever say that again. Start changing. Today is not too late. There's our new mantra for the day. Everybody listen, stop saying we've always done it this way. Enough, right? There is no always anymore. It's a new era. It's a new way of doing business. It's a new way of communicating. I, I love the conversation. By the way, I'm chatting with, with Morton Andrup from the sponsor team, and he is really enjoying the show. So I want to tell you all that. We've decided everything that the panelists are saying is pure gold. So there you know. All right. So let's go. We have time for a little bit more. We're actually doing extremely well around the clock. Sandra Zarati, I'm looking at your statement number three. I think this is gives us a new flavor to what we were what we've been talking about. You say customers care about bonding, not branding. Marketers create online or digital relevance that catalyzes interest and engagement. That's the marketer's role. Sales wins when marketing is done right. Oh my goodness gracious, you said it. So Sandra, please tell us more. Yes, and marketing wins when sales is done right, but they've got to be in partnership. The interesting connection point here to me is it's the same data-driven customer insights that fuels both 
sales and marketing functions. So knowing about customer personas or understanding the environment that a sales rep is walking into can really help predict and preempt our customer's behavior and set both functions up for collaborative success. Um, in one quick example here, I want to talk about a company in the Middle East, and I think they've done a great job, I'd love to hear Shireen's perspective, on a digital way to help bridge some of this marketing and sales alignment. They manufacture ceramic tiles, and what they decided to do to activate their channel of sellers and channel partners is to create an entire digital design system. It helps designers and retailers better sell their products and they developed a digital interactive tool so that buyers can test drive their materials before they select and that also includes a cost benefit calculator to clarify the value. So this self-education marketing tool really helps generate a better and more qualified lead to sales reps and gives sales reps a window into what the customer has done selected what their behavior and their likes are. And I just think it creates a much smoother sort of no surprises customer journey for the transition from marketing to sales. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, let's go around the table. Sebastian, I saw a lot of heads nodding while, while Sandra was talking. So Sebastian, let's see what you have to say and then we'll go to Shireen. Go ahead, Sebastian. I think that's a that's a beautiful um, example of, of, of essentially doing marketing right. Um, I think the most important function of a salesperson is to translate the initial need or the initial interest from a customer, understanding the full-blown uh, business case slash uh, the way they, we, we go in and, and crystallize the value, and then essentially make sure that that gets commercialized and then uh, once um, the agreements are in place, we, we ensure that, um, that we take the customer on the right journey uh, to happiness. So yeah, I absolutely agree on this. And I mean, it, it warms my, uh, my cold uh, salesman's heart uh, hearing when, when Sandra said earlier that she hired a salesperson into a marketing team in order to understand how this works. Because the customers today, I mean, they do all their, they do all their research online themselves. Actually, they have done, I don't remember what the latest numbers are, but it's somewhere between 60 and 80% of the buying journey uh, before they even contact anyone. They have, they have done all their research themselves. So actually, the, the salesperson of today and especially the salesperson of tomorrow will need to be able to take a conversation on a much, much higher level than what we had to do only five or 10 years ago. Because five or 10 years ago, we were the ones educating the customers Whereas today, the customers sometimes know even more than we do, and it's frightening. So we need to step up our game and ensure that as much as our lovely marketing team have helped the customer to understand, we can now help the, the, the customer to essentially go between the different choice options, choose the right one, and then venture onto a, a journey uh, as a customer and, uh, and now a seller, essentially venture onto a partnership together that hopefully will become a long-term thing. So yeah, I absolutely love this example. Bastian, did you really say it warms your cold salesman heart? Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it still exists. You almost almost brought the show to a stop. That was really so. You heard it first, everyone. Sebastian Fix that warms his cold salesman's heart. Shireen, we'd love to get you in on this one. What do you think? Go ahead. 
Yeah. So um, as Sebastian already said, I also saw that statistic that 80% of the buyer journey is already done before sales reps are even contacted, which is such a high number. I mean, information load is even higher or is getting higher every day. People are receiving or buyers are receiving a lot of different marketing things. They have a lot of information on the internet. There are a lot of events. And um, we really need to make sure that the marketing content that is received by the buyers in the beginning, in those first 80% of them, is really correct and is also personalized. In the end, it, it, yeah, it must be clear to the customer, why should this be of interest to me? Why should I even contact a sales rep? And then in the end, for the sales rep, it is even more important to already deep dive into a higher um, information level than it was 10 years before. So we really need to make sure that the customer still feels that we know where he is right now. And to get back to the bonding thing that uh, Sandra actually said, um, as I already mentioned, I think it is more about partnerships in the future. It is not about how can I sell even more with the customer, stuff maybe he doesn't even know, or he doesn't even need. It is really about how can we solve his current challenge and then help him for the next 10 years to become a market leader really be the strategic partner that he always uh, reaches out to you first. If he has any struggles, if he has any challenges, you should be the first one who um, gets contacted by the customer. Thank you very much. What a wonderful conversation around the table. Now we're going to enter the not quite twilight zone. We're going to talk about the crystal ball predictions. I want each of you to think about where is this all going? Will it be a happy ending for sales and or happy, not ending, a happy beginning for sales and marketing to truly align, to truly collaborate, to truly talk to each other, to truly have shared common goals. We've talked about all of this, to truly use the data in a centralized way, get those actionable insights and provide a bonding direct aligned to the customer that is not confusing, that is not contradictory, that is not OMG like Sebastian really wanted to say about his coffee experience. And, and don't repel the customer, welcome them and help them get what they need. I think I did a good summary of the topic. So Sandra Zarati, why don't you give us 60 seconds? We're on the clock now. What's your prediction? Where is this going, Sandra? Go. Sales and marketing alignment will still have no roadmap as we look forward. There's no black and white manual and perfection is not possible. I believe we will make progress because it is customer driven and customer experience leaders are the, one, are the companies of tomorrow. So this will resolve itself, but I believe both functions will be much more tailored, personalized, going finer and finer and finer into the details. Thank you. Very interesting. We're getting some head shaking here in agreement. Sebastian, figure up. And she was so concise. Sebastian, I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Sandra, thank you. I'm going to give you a whole 90 seconds, Sebastian. Use them well. Go ahead. Thank you. Now, I believe that, that what we will see over the next uh, five years is we will actually see what we've seen the last 20 years, that a lot of the Fortune 1000 or 2000 companies will be replaced by the ones who get it. And what I mean by that is that a lot of the old companies that have been around for many, many years who are not adapting to a customer-first digital future, what they will have to do is they will have to start this journey of getting into a proper customer experience using the data that's at their hands and using the different digital tools in order to serve the world-class customer experience. If they don't do that now, they will be replaced by someone else 
who might not even have been founded today. And I believe that this will only, only, only go faster the, the further uh, we go out in the future. So yeah, I believe that we will see the same thing. We've seen a lot of Fortune 2000 companies being replaced over the past 20 years. I believe we'll see equally many being replaced over the next five years. Thank you. Very interesting. And I have saved, ooh, we got a whole 90 seconds for Shireen. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I really think that within the next couple of years, it will not only be about sales and marketing alignment, it will be more about collaboration. So, alignment is, for me, more like um, a position of agreement, and collaboration is more like working together to achieve a common goal. So, I think it is really about the collaboration in the future, and uh, teamwork and partnerships will be more important than ever. I think also the information load, the complexity of alignment, all those stuff will increase. So we need to make sure that in the end we have a common platform and common goals, but we also need to have common platforms where we have all relevant information about our customers, about the different channels, how was the customer contacted, how did we address them, um, and I also think that machine learning and artificial intelligence will take a big part in this, in, yeah, in our future in sales and marketing alignment. So this will probably also support us in uh, different areas like what sales opportunities to follow, uh, what resources to allocate to which customers. So th those are questions and those are right now pretty hard to answer. So uh, this will probably really help us in the future. But I think in general that sales and marketing collaboration will be a really big point in the next years. Thank you very much. I have a quick question around the table. I need a one word answer and you can say pass if it's too quick, but I will start with Sandra and then Sebastian and then Shireen. I'll start with S. How lovely is that? The question is marketing. Do you think it implies that sales comes first and marketing second? Does it imply smart marketing? Does it imply something that maybe marketing should come first and then sales should take the handover? Is there a better word? Yes or no is a better word. And if you can come up with one real fast, Sandra, go. I think it means smart marketing and that the sales and marketing lines are blurred. Good. Uh, Sebastian. I agree with that statement 100%. Oh, that was easy. Shireen? Yeah. Act as one team. Work as one team. Thank you. Thank you. We lost a little bit of the end of what you said, Shireen, but we got the drift. Oh. Especially we're in the, the, it was a little blip in the audio. I want to thank all of you so much. What a wonderful experience speaking with you. Sandra Zarati, Sebastian Fick, Shireen Fox, just lovely. And Morton is here, was here with us in the, uh, he was here with us in the, the room as a silent partner. And I want to thank you. I want to thank Aaron Keller and the business channel team at World Talk Radio. I've got 30 seconds and I got to speed talk my way through it. So here's my closing call to action. Everybody listen up, fasten your seatbelt. My car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. How's your car doing? What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Sandra Zorati at the CMO Council. Just like Sebastian Fick at E2Y. I got it right. And just like Shireen Fox at SAP. Everybody have a great day. And be safe. Be smart. Be savvy. Put the mask on. Bye-bye. <laughs> Everybody wave goodbye. Thank you.
Thanks again for tuning in to The Power of Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.